Africa rise and shine Africa zorka Africa amka na unai Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on the frequencies 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on 15255 kilohertz on the 19 meter band to West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabisa Lohoko and Figile Lingwati. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, African Union Summit gets underway in Addis Ababa and South Africa's ruling ANC policy conference continues. In economics news, Tunisia raises petrol price by 6.7% and in sports news, Zimbabwe on course for a record fifth Kosafa Cup title. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. The free movement of Basutu is calling on the government of Lesotho to advance their demands that borders with South Africa to be abolished. According to the group, there is a need for the incorporation of their country into South Africa. The movement is also calling for the implementation of the SANEC Free Movement Treaty, Free Movement of Basutu's President, Dr. Murolong. Uh, the people who are meeting with, with us as the movement, they are always meeting with us and sit down with us, but they, 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 are, they are not uh, taking our issues into consideration. To, to, to make them to come to us, we have to motivate our issues that uh, these people, as you know, that they are working here in South Africa. They have to move uh, freely in the borders. Reformed Congress of Lesotho, which is part of the new government coalition, says it aligns itself with the call. Spokesperson Mpiti Tamae says his party will present the demands in Parliament. We are looking forward to see that we make sure that uh, all the employees who are in South Africa are duly registered accordingly. We fall within the same region here. So why do we have to stamp our passport all the time? Even if you come into South Africa for a, a business trip, for just one day for a business trip, you have to stamp your passport. So there should be a mechanism that should be put in place that when you cross through the borders, you can only put your finger there to show that this is the citizen of Lesotho and is going to South Africa. Qatar's foreign ministry says a formal response to a list of demands from Arab states will be submitted to the Amir of Kuwait, who is the main mediator in the worst Gulf crisis in decades. Saudi Arabia and its allies announced last month that they were severing ties with the Gulf neighbor. They accused Qatar of supporting extremism and of being too close to regional arch-rival Iran, which Qatar has strongly denied. The BBC's Loose to Set reports. Last week, Qatar's foreign minister said the list of demands was made to be rejected. But he said his country was willing to engage in dialogue under the right conditions. Last month, four Arab states, including Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, imposed unprecedented economic and diplomatic sanctions on their Gulf neighbour, accusing it of promoting extremism and funding terrorist groups, charges Qatar denies. Relations between Morocco and Western Sahara and Rwandan President Paul Kagame's report on the reforms of the AU are likely to feature prominently during the ordinary session of the summit of the Assembly of the Heads of State and Government of the African Union. The AU summit is taking place in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Even though majority countries welcomed Morocco, some member states were uncomfortable with the move, arguing that the organization might lose interest in the Western Saharawi matter. The Sahara 
Malawi are living in the western part of the Sahara Desert, which includes Western Sahara, claimed by the Polisario and mostly controlled by Morocco. South Africa's ambassador to Ethiopia, Ndumi Sunchinga, says the AU remains committed to a peaceful solution to the dispute. We have uh, um, those teething problems now on how do we then manage to get the two to coexist in one organization as fully-fledged members that are on the equal footing like everybody else. But it's something that I think uh, as time goes on we will be able to find a way of uh, dealing with it and finally overcome it and uh, deal with it in a way that it does not change the position of the African Union but at the same time does make Morocco to feel uh, welcome as member of the African Union. And finally, the debate on a motion of no confidence against South Africa's President Jacob Zuma has been pushed back by five days and will now take place on the 8th of August. National Assembly Speaker Baleka Ambete revised the date after it emerged that a cabinet meeting had been scheduled to take place on the 3rd of August. The deadline for parties to submit their views on whether the vote should be decided by secret ballot remains the 14th of this month. Parliamentary spokesperson Muloto Mutapo. So having um, better consulted, uh, it has been decided that uh, because uh, the sitting in the motion of no confidence on the 3rd of August will clash with uh, the cabinet order, making it difficult for members of uh, the cabinet uh, to attend. It is uh, to ensure an inclusive uh, date, uh, uh, the new date of uh, 8th of August for this motion uh, should be set. And that's the news headlines at 8.30 Central African Time. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Thank you, Anne. As the African Union Summit begins in Ethiopia, the chairperson of the AU Commission, Mohamed Musa Faki, is calling on Africans to speak with one voice on issues that will benefit the continent. He says only a concerted effort will command respect from non-African parties. Coletta Wanjohi reports. This is the first African Union summit under the new leadership of Chad's former foreign affairs minister, Mohamed Musafaki, who took over leadership from South Africa's Lamini Nkosa Zanazuma in January 2017. Mohamed Faki is emphasizing that a renewed energy needs to be put when the continent is dealing with non-African parties. We have continued to project the image on many occasions of presenting ourselves in dispersed ranks. Some partners continue to encourage this situation by dealing with Africa in complete disregard of our choice to speak henceforth with one voice. We must stop endorsing this practice. If we do not do it ourselves by abstaining from any conduct that is detrimental to our freely chosen options, how can we reproach to them their behavior towards us? He adds that the summit must be keen to make sure whatever it adopts is implemented. There are two things. Either we take decisions and adopt the text to implement them, or we defer the adoption of these decisions and until we are ready to implement them. The idea applies to all our sovereign choices, to our democratic choices, our electoral systems, our political governance, our economic choices, our current institutional reform, our rejection of external interference, and our commitment to the principle of African solutions to African problems. The acting executive secretary of the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa, Abdella Hamdok, is also advising that Africa's growth may not be as fast as it was anticipated. It stands at 3.2% this year and may grow to just 3.8% in 2018. He, however, says that with the right moves, the continent might redeem itself. The first is urbanization, which will continue to contribute significantly to Africa's economic performance in the coming years. Second, deepening trade and investment ties in Africa through regional integration is critical.
and the proposed continental free trade area will further facilitate large gains from trade. Let us surprise ourselves and the world and make the continental free trade area a reality within this year. Third, improving macroeconomic management, increase diversification, and improve business environment, building institutions for better governance, as well as economic reforms, are key to keeping foreign investors attracted. This year, the African Union Summit is being held under the theme of harnessing the demographic dividend of the youth. Kuletwa Njohi for Channel Africa Radio in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Food security is also set to dominate discussions at the African Union Summit. The African Union is concerned about the fast spread of the fallworm, a pest which is threatening crop in 25 African countries. Kuletwa Njohi reports. The fall armyworm is a migratory insect pest known to cause massive destruction of maize crops under warm and humid conditions in the Americans. The fall armyworm survives in temperatures above 10 degrees Celsius. It feeds on 80 different plant species, but the most prevalent strain eats maize, which is a staple of 200 million people in sub-Saharan Africa. The African Union Commissioner for Rural Economy and Agriculture, Sako Josefa Leonel Correa, says this is turning out to be a major challenge to food security in the continent. It is an emergency that we need to address. That's why we, uh, our partners brought it under the leadership of the African Union Commission to see how we can address this issue of armyworm fall. Scientists believe the fall armyworm arrived in Africa in a shipment of maize. It was first detected on the continent in West Africa in January 2016. A year later, it was in Southern Africa and it has since swept north with some moths flying up to 100 kilometers a day. It has recently been reported as far north as Ethiopia. Dr. Godfrey Bahigwa, the Director for Rural Economy and Agriculture at the African Union, explains the destruction it has made in Africa. There are 25 countries um, that have reported the, 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 the pest and um, it has affected about 1.5 million hectares so far, 1.5 million hectares. And the response is varying from um, uh, country to country, uh, but as of now, um, we haven't yet established a continental uh, framework, which is what the Commissioner is saying. We want to establish a continental platform uh, where we can jointly fight this pest. But different countries are... Um, looking into domestic resources and um, um, to try to combat the disease. Dr. Bahigwa adds that the African Union is already working with concerned international agencies to find a lasting solution to this scourge. Out of the discussion that we had with FAO, we said we need to establish a coordinated mechanism which is continent-wide. Um, and so going forward, we, we said we are going to continue having uh, these types of meetings uh, to be able to uh, to have um, uh, a framework for the uh, controlling the pest. Because we know this is not a pest that's going to go away in a very short period of time. So we need to have that coordinated mechanism. Um, we need to understand um, how to control it. At what cycle, you know, it, 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 it goes through four cycles of its life. It's, it's a moth, it's a, um, it's a caterpillar, it's a pupa, and then it goes back, right? So what is the best way um, to control it and at what stage? These are types of the technical issues which we'll have to, uh, to discuss and develop a continental um, uh, program for it. Unless sprayed with effective insecticides quickly after initial detection, the fall armyworm becomes extremely hard to contain. Koleto Anjohi for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. The fourth African Union high-level panel on gender equality and women's empowerment has called for an end to gender discrimination in an effort to ensure the full potential of Africa's youth. The two-day meeting took place ahead of the 29th Ordinary Session of the Assembly of AU Heads of State and Government, which begins today in Addis Ababa. Channel Africa's Ntlantla Mahlangu filed this report. The fourth African Union high-level panel on gender equality and women's empowerment was organized on the margins of the 29th Ordinary Session of the AU Assembly. It was aligned to the 2017 AU theme of harnessing the demographic dividend through investment in the youth with special emphasis on empowering young women and girls. 
It sought to define concrete actions to empower young women and girls to scale up implementation of policy priorities and decisions in the four pillars of the AU Demographic Dividends Agenda. The meeting was attended by ministers from Ethiopia, Zimbabwe and Sierra Leone, amongst others. It highlighted the importance of addressing the gender-specific challenges to Africans' youth employment and entrepreneurship. Joanna Latilewa Foster read the various recommendations emanating from the meeting. The first pillar consists of empowering young women and girls through employment and entrepreneurship. The following key recommendations were made. Programs on harnessing demographic dividends should have champions and economic resources. Hold AU member states accountable through source cards to ensure that commitments to invest in young women and girls are actioned. Enforce regulatory frameworks that promote decent work and that promote the rights of workers, especially young women. Revise national curricula to include skills training for women and young girls. The meeting ahead that targeted action is needed to ensure young women's access to the labor market and to financial assets and services. Delegates agreed that action is also needed to strengthen their access to quality education, health services including sexual and reproductive health services and to ensure the fulfillment of all their rights. Nyasha Chinguinya is the Minister of Women Affairs, Gender and Community Development in Zimbabwe. She says they've realized the importance of empowering the girl child if Africa were to develop. Ending child marriage is now also a topical issue and most countries have agreed to that, that it should be worked on. And really, that's a process that's currently on way. Empowerment in terms of skills development and training, uh, STEM subjects for, for the young girls, really those are issues that we really would want to harness and talk about at a country level. So as we leave this conference, we're going to make sure that in education, right, in the issues of health, pertaining young girls, empowerment, ending child marriages, their health issues, and also mentoring them so that they become brave as they face the world, which is now a vicious world as we look at it. Lady Chiwara, UN representative to Ethiopia, the AU and Economic Commission for Africa, has hailed the meeting. The fourth high-level panel on gender equality and women's empowerment, which have just closed now, has been one of the most exciting ones for me for three reasons. One, it was an event which was very inclusive, in which we did not speak about young women in the absence of young women. They were there, their voices were heard, and they were given the platform to speak. That was very important for me. Secondly, it was a panel where we did not focus on problems or issues. We looked at the way forward, and we looked at what is it we can do as Africa to move from where we are to the next step. And we got amazing experiences from member states from all over Africa. Meanwhile, as the 29th ordinary session of the Assembly of AU Heads of State and Government begins today, experts say predictable funding and more specifically the Peace Fund will top the agenda. They say the summit is a critical opportunity for AU member states to show their commitments to peace and security in Africa. It will also be the AU Commission's chairperson Musafaki Mahamati's first opportunity to assert his view of the AU under his leadership. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Glantla Matlangu in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Let's go back in time to today in 2009. After bitter wrangling, Africa's leaders agreed to denounce the International Criminal Court and refused to extradite Sudan's President Omar al-Bashir, who has been indicted for crimes against humanity in Darfur. And that was today in history in the year 2009. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. It's 8.19 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. The African National Congress will be able to rise above its challenges and reclaim its position as the leader of the process of social change. This is according to the party's head of campaigns, Figilem Balula. He was addressing media on the organizational renewal discussion document at the party's fifth national policy conference currently underway in Johannesburg. Channel Africa's Kumbelo Munjelele filed this report. 
Unity and organizational renewal has become a big talking point for the party over the past three days as it grapples with factional battles and allegations of corruption by some of its members. Mbalula did not mince his words when talking about how the party wants to reinvent itself ahead of the 2019 elections amid internal problems that have tarnished its image. While Mbalula admits challenges facing the party, he says the organization needs to rise above those challenges and reclaim its position as the leader of social change. Proposed framework for organizational renewal and design, we argue that the ANC remains the leader in the process for social change as demonstrated by delivery since 1994. That said, the ANC must retain its dual character as a liberation movement and a political party. We propose a maximum target of 65% national executive committee members be allowed to serve in the country's cabinet. This institutional arrangement will allow the organization to have an objective view and influence on developments in government, civil society, the economy, and international arena. The organization can intervene strategically to any challenges. This should allow the NEC to be a balanced mix of cadres in government and those engaged in civil society and business and other spheres of influence within society. Balula says the establishment of what is known as the Revolutionary Political Council is being considered to make sure that those elected to occupy higher positions within the party have passed the credibility test. The resolution on the establishment of the Revolutionary Electoral Commission must be invoked and implemented implemented. This process must be guided by the through the eye of the needle enforcement by the Revolutionary Council. The Revolutionary Council will be elected among the best in the ANC, not those who have retired themselves uh, to the point where in which they are not interested to stand for leadership, not necessarily by age. Those who, who've got no interest to, to, to stand for leadership. And the Revolutionary Political Council is going to help us exercise the tendency of factionalism and allow leadership of the ANC to be discussed in the open, but over and above that, to entrench through the eye of the needle. We are actually at the present moment talking through the eye of the needle, but the eye of the needle is not enforced. But the Revolutionary Council will ensure that the eye of the needle is enforced and that those who are elected to occupy higher leadership positions in the movement have passed the test of time in terms of impeccable credentials to lead the African National Congress. Another contentious issue which was discussed is the ANC's Integrity Commission headed by anti-apartheid struggle veteran and stalwart Andrew Langeni. Balula says there are proposals to amend the ANC's constitution to give more powers to the Integrity Commission. When asked about the motion of no confidence in President Jacob Zuma, Balula reiterated that ANC's members of parliament are expected to toe the party line when the vote takes place next month. National Assembly Speaker Baleka Mbete announced that the motion would be debated on August the 8th and would decide whether it would be a secret ballot or not after considering submissions from political parties. Members of the ANC have got no right to represent their jackets in parliament. They represent the organization. They are suicide bombers. A suicide bomber is somebody who dies for an ideology. Whether it is wrong or right, he dies for it or she dies for it. So I can go to parliament knowing very well I've signed an expansion note from the ANC and say anyway, I'm going to do it. It's suicide. It's political suicide. You decide that no, today is my day, I'm gone. And I'm making that resolution with myself that I'm leaving this party. They will not be the first. With the past two days having been used to focus on the unity and renewal of the party, the next few days are expected to be dominated by talks around issues concerning education, economy, as well as land redistribution. For Channel Africa, I am Kumbaro Munjerere in Johannesburg. The world remains beset by so much human suffering, poverty, and deprivation. It is in your hands to make of our world a better one for all. From July 18, raise your hand and make a dedicated effort to keep helping others in any way you can. Make every day a Mandela Day. It is in your hands to make a difference. It's 8.24 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. 
South Africa's Minister of Small Business Development, Lindue Zulu, says she is hoping decision-making participants at the ANC Policy Conference will have a full appreciation of the role small business could play in realizing an all-inclusive economy if properly harnessed. Speaking on the sidelines of the conference yesterday, Zulu said as participants go into talks around the fiercely debated radical economic transformation today, they first need to think through the real importance of pulling blacks trapped in a mud of poverty and economical disempowerment. Selina Dubong reports. Small Business Development Minister says changing the face of the South African economy, which she says has benefited a few for decades if not centuries, requires that the perceived idea that black people only want handouts to be banished. She says talks about how to radically transform South Africa's economy should come up with a clear strategy on how government will practically assist many black entrepreneurs who very often try without much success to get their businesses off the ground. Black people also do want to work for everything that they have. They want to earn a living like everybody else. So it's about lifting that debate about the importance of SMMEs. We need each and every delegate to see and understand the importance of SMMEs, especially in regard to addressing the issues of poverty, unemployment and inequality. If the rest of my colleagues do not see the importance of SMMEs and cooperatives in addressing the challenges we face, then I haven't done my job very well. The second thing we want the discussion to go to the next level is what kind of support should government give to small and medium enterprises? Thirdly, we've got to go into what are the things that need to be done at the local level, at the provincial level and at national level to make sure that we support. Let me just make a simple example. Here was the Minister of Social Development. They have school feeding scheme. Where are they buying the food? When there are cooperatives which are supposed to produce the vegetables in general to supply the school and they get paid for that. There are school uniforms for those who can't afford. Where is that uniform coming from? Again, are we going back to the same old big companies when we can put those cooperatives of, of men and women give them the machinery, train them so that they can produce the uniform and the schools in the area must buy from them. Zulu also expressed concern about the weak participation of big businesses in discussions around developing emerging businesses. She was stressing concerns that had earlier been expressed by ANC's Treasurer General William Kize. Mkize earlier said bigger banks and businesses seem to have neglected smaller businesses in providing financial support to stimulate economic growth. The reason why they're not participating is because they're fine. They don't have to be chasing nobody for anything. And black people have to be chasing government for delivery. People have to be chasing government for skills development. The people who call, the people who come through our doors are those that have nothing almost. Those that are looking for financial assistance, those that are looking for access to markets, there are very few who've ever bothered to knock on our door. The ANC has previously put it on record that radical economic transformation goes beyond the emphasis on black ownership of the economy. It also includes, amongst others, the reindustrialization of South Africa's economy, dismantling monopoly structures and practices, and policy continuity. The party will today seek to further clarify what they mean by radical economic transformation and debate about policies that need to either be changed or instituted to achieve that goal. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Selina Ntobong. Going back in time to today in 1962, Algeria becomes independent after 132 years of French rule and Abderrahmani Fares is appointed as president of the provisional executive. That was today in history in the year 1962. Hello and welcome to Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We broadcast from Johannesburg in South Africa and our main aim is to provide you with news, views, knowledge and entertainment from Africa to Africans and listeners from around the world. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Diana Wanyonye in Mombasa. For Channel Africa, I am Kumbero Munjarere in Johannesburg. Channel Africa, Kinshasa. 
Jean Noel Bamweze. Reporting for Channel Africa from Zambia, I am Hilda Kekelwa. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. It's 8.30 Central African time and our headlines up next with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musan. The headlines, African powers have launched a new multinational military force to tackle Islamist militants in the Sahel. The free movement of Basutu calls on the new government of Lesotho to advance their demands that borders with South Africa be abolished. And Qatar says a formal response to a list of demands from Arab states will be submitted to the Emir of Kuwait, who is the main mediator in the worst Gulf crisis in decades. Those are the stories making headlines. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's international radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. Listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Nam, kwenye line ya simu, hivi sasa, najiunga moja kwa moja. Farafina. Farafina. Terre du Soleil. Está na companhia do serviço em língua portuguesa do canal África, a voz de renascença africana que transmite a partir dos seus estudos centrais de Auckland Park, cidade de Johannesburg, África do Sul. Sochitika, mu África! Informing the world about Africa, Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. July marks Mandela Month in South Africa with International Mandela Day being celebrated on the 18th of July. For the entire month, people are encouraged to do good and assist those who are less privileged in any means. The UN General Assembly in 2010 declared July 18th as the International Day dedicated to South Africa's former President Nelson Mandela's commitment to human rights, conflict resolution and reconciliation. For more on this, we are now joined on the line by Silo Hadang, Chief Executive of the Nelson Mandela Foundation. Good morning, Silo, and welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. Thank you so much, Lulu. Good morning. Now, how would you say um, South Africans have done in ensuring that uh, Madiba's legacy lives on? I think uh, we we can pat ourselves on the back in terms of uh, uh, beginning the process of uh, just not observing Madiba's legacy, but always trying to imagine new ways of doing it. Um, So young young people who go out there every other day to make sure that they they help those who are in most in most need um, are the ones that we, we particularly want to honor. And uh, and for this year is no exception. Uh, and this year we, 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 we're calling on, on all of us, uh, on, on the listeners of uh, Channel Africa to say we must uh, make poverty history uh, and all of us must take action against poverty. That's why the, the, the theme for this year is, is hashtag action against poverty. Now, Silo, what are the plans for this year's commemorations for for the foundation? Well, for us, um, we will be doing uh, three key things. Um, most of the stuff that we'll be doing will be on food security. 
So the the uh, but of course we also going to be building 67 houses um, in Orange Farm with the help of uh, Habitat for Humanity. Um, we will be working with uh, Stop Hunger now in terms of food packaging and also distribution uh, of the food. Um, and, and, and most of these things, uh, with uh, Food and Trees Africa, for example, we will be going out um, to plant trees, to plant uh, um, vegetable gardens, uh, so that people can sustain themselves. Um, most of these actions, we say to, to, to people out there, all of us must just make sure that we do sustainable actions. So it shouldn't be this uh, uh, just us going out for 67 minutes because uh, that is uh, it actually it, 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 it proves that it's not sustainable at all because you go into a place and you do 67 minutes of action and then what? So we're asking people to, to, to do more than that. That's why um, we're saying take action, inspire change, make every day a Mandela day. Now, Silo, just looking at uh, refer, looking at uh, the work or listening to the the work that you say you're going to be doing, the building of houses uh, with Habitat Life in in Orange Farm, and uh, you know planting trees and vegetables. How can citizens be involved in the in the numerous uh, projects that you're working on this month? How do they get uh, do they get in contact with you as the Mandela Foundation? Um, how do people become a part of this? Well, you can be part of the Mandela Day Drive by uh, uh, going out to your, your, yourself and identifying the greatest needs in your immediate community. We believe that it starts with a family. From a family, it moves on to it being about uh, a community. And it's strong communities that make a, a great country. And uh, if all of us just uh, put in a helping hand, um, it will change. The ripple effect will change how we, we perceive um, whether whether work that needs to be done uh, in, in, for the benefit of others. Most of the, 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 the stuff that we're trying to do here is, is to ensure that you open people's eyes to the needs of uh, those who have not been lifted yet, those who are still uh, uh, left below and left behind, um, that we must continue to lift people uh, to be at the same level of, uh, of, of, of living as us, standard of living as us. So all of us must just go out there most of the time, people worry about money. Um, in fact, uh, for some of the NGOs that need people, it's just your time, volunteering your time. Uh, if you are a great administrator, give your time to go help that school that needs uh, uh, its administration fixed. If you are a, a great CEO, go out there, make sure that you share your skills with those who need them most. Mm. And I think that's how we can contribute. Now, Silo, let's just uh, look back at the year that was, which was last year, um, the year that uh, South African racing driver sensation Gugu Zulu passed away, um, summiting Mount Kilimanjaro for um, the sanitary towel initiative. And uh, we've we've already seen um, his wife, uh, Ditsejo, come out and say she is going to summit Kilimanjaro this year and reach uh, the top as, as, well, summiting is the word that is, is used. This year, the people that you are taking with you, what's the drive more than anything? Yes, it was a sanitary towel initiative last year, um, and this year there must be something different, or is it just a continuation of everything that has been taking place um, over the years in terms of summiting Kilimanjaro? Thank you so much, Lulu, for, for bringing this, this up. Um, uh, you remember that the initiative has been going since 2012. And every year we've been uh, setting targets for reaching young girls to make sure that uh, no girl misses school. And for us, this year is no different. Um, we're going to be going out there. Um, by 2020, we want to have reached 2 million girls to make sure that no girl, uh, at least 2 million girls, do not miss school at all. And I think that that initiative will continue. Of course, the special touch to it this year is that we'll also be doing it in uh, honor of Kuguzulu. And I, I think it, 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 it's one of those things that we're saying to South Africans out there, think of us as we'll be climbing. Uh, I'll be joining the, the, the club uh, this year, the team this year, uh, to climb. We live on the 12th, um, and uh, by the 14th we, we kick off. By the 18th we'll be on the summit on top of Kilimanjaro, on Madiba's birthday, and on the day that we lost Guguzulu, and on the 20th, we'll be back home. So we know for sure that uh, uh, Gugu have wanted us to continue uh, with this kind of uh, drive.
for us to make sure that no girl misses school. Now, Silo, um, looking at the, this is Mandela month, um, the 18th of July is his birthday, and uh, currently um, the ANC, which is the, the government in leadership, uh, the party in leadership, is holding a, its policy conference. What message do you think um, delegates have to hear or remember from Nelson Mandela um, when he was still alive? What do you think he would say to the delegates taking part in this policy conference during these difficult times in the country? I think uh, um, the policy conference is, uh, is about helping the ANC uh, refine its policies to ensure that uh, it responds to the needs of uh, of the greater majority of our people in South Africa, and uh, and it, it, this time it's no different again for for the ANC to go back to the drawing board and say what is it that we need to do differently? How do we deal with the issues of corruption and uh, that uh, have bedeviled uh, our country? And um, how do we deal with uh, uh, poor leadership? Uh, that the how do we want to be led? Um, and I think, uh, and how do we also, also how do we create active citizens out of South Africans? And I think it's important that we do so, observing that uh, all of us carry that responsibility um, for, for, in honor of Madiba's legacy. And I think uh, uh, it, 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 it's upon all of us to make sure that uh, we, 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 we do everything possible uh, to honor those who passed on fighting for the liberation of this country. Um, uh, these uh, people range from people like Dede Joe Slovo, Mehelen Joseph, uh, and, and many others who lost their lives, uh, uh, making sure that we get uh, the, to, to where we are today. And I think uh, it, it, it's upon all those delegates to say, what, what is it that we want to work out of, of this uh, uh, policy conference with um, to ensure that we respond to the needs of our people? So... All the best for your your summit this year, and I hope you reach the top. I hope you're ready. Oh, I'm uh, I'm absolutely <laughs> ready, Lulu. And with those words, I have to be ready. Eh? So uh, uh, this is my second time doing it, uh-huh. and I'm looking forward to it. So we look forward to hearing from you after the summiting Mount Kilimanjaro, and all the best um, for you and the people who are taking part. And uh, South Africans and Africans must heed the call of uh, celebrating and marking uh, Mandela Month, which is July. His birthday is on the 18th of July. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. That was Silo Hadang, Chief Executive of the Nelson Mandela Foundation, joining us on the line from Johannesburg. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Schoolgirls from South Sudan are learning gymnastics to help them release stress and heal from war-related trauma, according to the UN mission in the country, UNMIS. The mission's civil affairs division has teamed up with a local non-governmental organization, Spring of Peace, to use sport to promote peace and unity among various ethnicities in Ye Town. The city has become a flashpoint of fighting, between government and rebel forces since July 2016. Jocelyn Sambira has more. A group of talented girls from different ethnic groups in Ye Town are helping promote love, peace and unity in diversity through gymnastics. They play, sing in unison and climb on each other's backs while they perform their routines. The club, launched by the NGO Spring of Peace and a group of civil affairs officers serving with the UN mission in South Sudan, UNMIS, seeks to teach these girls new skills and instill hope. Not only do these girls get to entertain their audience, but they also get to release stress and help heal trauma created by the ongoing civil war. Amira Aisha Ibrahim is a member of the gymnastics club. 
I feel very excited because I can manage to carry a frame on my back. That means I can manage to lift difficulties of life. And when we came to gymnastics, we came as one from various schools. We got to know each other. We're now friends. You can interact with each other when you meet on the way in various places. That's what gymnastics is all about. The fitness program not only helps hone the skills of young girls, said James Mugo, Unmiss Civil Affairs Division officer, but it also helps them develop coping mechanisms for the countless challenges they face in their lives. And the fact that they started with young girls is also quite encouraging uh, because young girls face a lot of challenges. But that's not true. We also human beings, the same rights with boys, and sometimes you may find, like in my class, girls are leading. Jocelyn Sambira, United Nations. I'm Tabi Solohoko for Channel Africa's Economic Update. Good morning. China is opening up a 9 trillion US dollar bond market to foreign investors. The scheme will initially offer access via Hong Kong to institutional investors such as central and commercial banks, sovereign wealth funds and other major financial institutions. Reports suggest that a growing Chinese bond market has been virtually out of reach for foreign investors who currently hold less than 1.5% of bonds issued in China. The BBC's Juliana Liu reports. The Chinese bond market is worth about nine trillion U.S. dollars, is the third largest in the world at the moment. Uh, before today, overseas investors accounted for only two percent of that. So the hope is that there is a lot of room to grow if the scheme is indeed successful. And the idea is that if these bonds are accessible to overseas investors, then some global indices will be starting to include Chinese bonds. South Africa's Reserve Bank Governor Lesicha Khanyaho says that the country risks slipping into a long and painful economic recession if the central bank is forced to abandon its policy of reducing inflation and protecting the currency. In an editorial article published in the Sunday Times newspaper, Khanyaho says that the recent recommendation by anti-graft agency for the central bank to focus on growth misunderstood the dangers of persistently high consumer prices. Credit downgrades by two of the top three rating agencies based on the economic and political turmoil have dented business and consumer confidence in South Africa, which has just suffered two quarters of economic contraction. Tunisia's government has cut fuel subsidies, raised the petrol prices by 6.7%, this in an effort to trim its budget deficit, one of the key reforms asked for by the IMF. Tunisia expects budget deficit for 2017 to widen to 5.9% from a previously expected 5.4% because of higher fuel costs and the fall in the local dinar value. Authorities on Sunday lifted the price of lead-free petrol to 0.7.2 US dollars a litre. The IMF last month released a $320 million delayed tranche of Tunisia's IMF loan after the government agreed to speed up economic reforms. The Egyptian government has appealed a court verdict that ordered the suspension of a food inspection system launched to reform a trade in agricultural commodities. An administrative court ordered on June the 13th that supervision of inspection should return to the agricultural quarantine body. The government had 15 days to appeal. Oil prices have edged up, supported by the first half in U.S. drilling activity in months. Although rising output from OPEC, despite a pledge to cut supplies, capped gains, U.S. West Texas intermediate crude futures have risen 0.3%. Traders say the U.S. prices are relatively stronger than Brent, after U.S. drilling activity fell for the first time since January. The US dollar trades at 13.05 in South Africa, it's at 10.08 in Botswana, and at 9.06 in Zambia. 0.76 to the British pound and 0.87 to the euro. Gold $1,242, platinum $921 an ounce. Brand crude $47.68 a barrel. My name is Tabi Solohoko.
Our sports updates up next with Figile Lingwati. Now, sports update this hour. We're kicking off with football news. The African champions, Mamelodi Sundowns, have taken another giant step towards defending their title by progressing to the quarterfinals of the African Champions League. Following a last grasp 1-0 victory over St. George in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia an hour after that game. The Brazilians received more good news. Esperance had held AS Vita to a 12 draw in Kinshasa. And this meant that a head-to-head between Sundowns and St. George in the last Group C matches would favor the Sundowns. After scoring another vital goal for Sundowns, Liberian international Anthony Lafour looks back at the importance of this result. Every game in the Champions League is important, you know. Uh, I think as Dennis said, Sundowns is paying our bill. And uh, before the game, we, the coaches told us that this is the only opportunity that we get. A draw would be good for us. If we win, I think we qualify to the next stage of the competition. So I think we kept our feet on the ground. The first half, the pressure was high. And then uh, we got a chance in our school, you know. It wasn't about me, it was about the team. And um, I'm so happy that we won today. And uh, I think the glory should go to everybody, not me, because sometimes we got me. And uh, we should keep our feet on the ground because uh, the competition is still long. And I believe that uh, I just want to say thanks to the St. George fan. Today they support football, you know. It wasn't about Sundance is different or St. George is different. You know? I think if they continue this, St. George will see next time. Sundowns maintained their second spot with only one game to go, moving to eight points. Just a point adrift of log leaders Esperance. And uh, South Africa's uh, other se- team in the Champions Confederations Cup, it's Super Sports United, who collected a vital point when they drew nil all against A.S. Horoya in the penultimate 2017 Kev Confederations Cup Group D clash at started the 28th September in Conakry, Guinea at the weekend. A stalemate for the Caetano Tembos men takes them to the second spot with seven points and they will now wrap up their group stage account against Gabon CF Munama at home on the 7th of July. In rugby news, South African rugby side Lions coach Johan Ackerman has credited his players for the commitment they showed in blowing away the Sun Wolves 94-7 in the Vodacom Super Rugby Clash at Emirates Airline Park in Johannesburg last weekend. No, not really. Um, I mean, obviously, credit to the players and, um, you know, it shows you the, the, the commitment between the players um, and how quickly and they got, you know, get together as a team um, so that we, we're proud on the team, tremendously proud and, um, you know, obviously grateful and feel very humbled and blessed that, you know, things click so well tonight. And in tennis news, South Africa's top wheelchair tennis ace events Maripa and the country's number two Leon Els cleared the first hurdle with straight sets victories on the first day of the Jobek Open, which got underway at the weekend at Arthur Ashe Tennis Centre in Soweto, south of Johannesburg. This is what Maripa's reaction was after his 6-1-6 love victory over Nicolas Otto in the men's singles. First day of Johannesburg Open here in Soweto, I played an amazing game against Nicolas Otto and uh, yeah, it was uh, perfect, you know, the way I wanted things to go my way and, uh, you know, mentally it was tough, you know, uh, physically feeling good and health-wise I'm perfect, so looking forward to the rest of the week. In the women's event, top seed Khutato Munjani enjoyed a bye in the opening round, yet former world number one junior Mariska Fender and the country's number three Nogwanda Shongwani advanced to the next round. Fender defeated Lerato Matosi, six love, six love, and will next face Nongkanyi Sonyosi, while Nogwanda, who's knocked out Wendy Shongwani, 6-2, 6-3, will play second seed Nalani Buabe from Switzerland. Fender says she had a great match. Uh, my first match was a great match today. I felt very good on the court. I had no double faults, which I'm happy because we've been working on the serves a lot. So it was a six love, six love score, and I feel good about it and ready to take on the next match. But I'm taking it match by match. I don't want to think into the future too much. I'm focusing on my match for tomorrow, and that's all that counts. 
Lastly, with cricket news, momentum approaches captain Dani van Niekerk and the number one day international ODI bowler in the world. Marizan Cup took eight wickets between them, securing a comprehensive 10-wicket drubbing over the West Indies at Grace Road in Leicester on Sunday. Van Niekerk became the first South African bowler, male or female, to take four wickets without conceding a single run, while Cup returned career best figures of four for 14, with three of those wickets falling in one over. It was South Africa who won the toss and elected to field first. A wise decision in the end by the skipper that had the Windies bundled out for just 48 in 25.2 overs. South Africa will face their biggest challenge yet when they take on England in Bristol on Wednesday at 1100 hours Central African time. That's the Sport News this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Recapping our top stories in Africa, rise and shine at the Sawa African Union Summit gets underway in Addis Ababa and South Africa's ruling ANC policy conference continues. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. From myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Pumutu Ramagadza and Komutu Mopulane, technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info.channelafrica.co.za or tweet us at Rise Shine Africa or send an SMS on 277-969-57930. Are taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa is Johnny Clegg with a song titled Asimbonanga. Asimbonanga Asimbonanga Mandela Tina Lape Kona Lape Felikona Asimbonanga Asimbonanga Mandela Tina Lape Kona Lape Felikona
Hey, 